Don't take the bus tour of the airport parking lot. Diamond Airport Parking offers covered self-parking, covered valet parking, open valet parking, and free 24-7 car-to-curb shuttle service. Diamond Airport Parking since 1922, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save at Diamond Airport Parking. All right, PK, we've had a lot of people post, you know, expectations for Dante Exum this year, and there's a lot of people, I mean, clearly, you know, we've got a bunch of Jazz fans here who want him to be good, they feel bad for him, they just don't expect him to be healthy and good for a long period of time. They haven't seen it, and they don't want to get their hopes up going forward. And they feel bad for Dante. And you were talking earlier this morning about how you felt bad for Clayton Kershaw. I did. I Sitting really in did. the dugout by himself. Right. No teammates running to console him. No. They were very close to the National League Championship Series. 3-1 lead, eighth inning. Yeah. He gives up homers on back-to-back pitches. First right. one looked like it was a ball. It did not look like a bad pitch, and yet it got hit out of the park. Well, Rendon's a heck of a player. I know. He went down and got that. It was low. It should have been a safe pitch. But it wasn't. Second one was teed up a little bit. Juan Soto. And he got it. He didn't miss it. Bryce who? So, you ever really feel bad for athletes out there? I did for Kershaw. I absolutely did. Normally, no. Because there's winners and losers every game. And I just can't get caught up in the winning and losing because it would be too much of a roller coaster because our jobs are sports. And we cover these teams, and and I feel bad for individuals sometimes. You know, a kicker misses a kick. But, like, 99% of the time, it's, you can argue, oh, it shouldn't have come down to that. So to blame it on the kicker just seems so stupid. Like they did in Buffalo when they lost the Super Bowl? Yeah, I just I don't get that. I've never blamed anything on a kicker. Uh, it just seems so... So wrong to blame it on a kicker when football is the ultimate team game, and you got some slob here who misses it by uh, you know six inches or something. So, but this one here, this guy's making over thirty million dollars in the, in a year, and he's making all the money in the world, and he just felt so bad for himself, and and I couldn't imagine that feeling and. Letting down the team, letting down the city. Yeah, again, he's not a he's not the hired gun who's moved around. Not at all. He's been in L.A. a long time now. Yeah, this is his franchise, and he's been an upstanding dude by all accounts. I know some people in the media there, and he said, and if you listen to him, he stood up last night. He didn't duck it. He wasn't in the training room. He didn't get out of there. He was there. He's accountable. Got to like that. Yeah. I know you and I do. Yeah. We've all had guys run and hide, and we've all had guys who just came right out and like, well, there it was. Yeah. That sucked. Anybody can talk in the good times. That doesn't take anything. And there he is. Listen, I mean, you can hear him. I had one job to do, just get three outs, and got one out, and um, didn't get the other two, and they went over the fence. Cost us the game right there. So um, that's it's a terrible feeling. Um, you know, there's no no excuses. Just didn't make pitches, and guy hit it over the fence twice. So. Yeah, I I I feel this morning, I feel awful for him. I've never felt this bad for a participant in a sporting event. I don't know that anything comes close. I'm trying to think. The only one I could come up with, because you hit me with this a little while ago and I've been thinking, and I had to go back. I couldn't get anything really recent. Uh, But if you go back like 15 years, 
Okay, he's not a player. How bad did you feel for Bartman for reaching up for the foul ball in Chicago? Mm. You know, times when a whole city came down on somebody. Uh, yeah, but... I mean, that's... And then another tortured city, Cleveland, Ernest Biner fumbling. I don't remember Ernest Biner fumbling. Uh, it was to get Denver into a Super Bowl. It was going to get Cleveland into a Super Bowl. And he fumbled at the two going in for what everyone thought was going to be the winning TD right at the end of the game. Yeah, but it's football. There's yeah. a billion plays. It's a team game. Right. No, nothing comes to mind in football. But you're at the two-yard line, and it looks like you're going to get to the goal line, and the ball gets popped out. Wasn't there somebody, some Super Bowl, the Cowboys way back when? And their tight end dropped a pass wide open. It was like a five-yarder. It was right there. And he just I'm blanking on the guy's name. It was it. against the Steelers. Was it against the Steelers? Yeah. I remember seeing it on NFL Films, and Danny White, who was a legend in Arizona, like throwing, he wasn't even playing, he was a sideline, he was a backup quarterback, throwing his helmet down. And yeah, I think the guy's name was like Jackie. Jackie Smith, Smith still affected by fateful Super Bowl. Yeah. Jackie Smith drops Buckner? sure touchdown. Buckner's a good one. Again, the whole city. See, it has to be bigger than the game. Because to your point, lots of games are won and lost, and there's always a play that wins or loses a game. A shot is made or missed. A pitch is hit, or a guy whiffs. But Buckner on that thing, he's got broken ankles, basically. He can barely walk. It's a defensive situation. It's clearly time to get him out of the game. He shouldn't have been in the situation. But at the same time, as Vin Scully said, it's a little roller that he should have been able to catch with his teeth. But that one was not an elimination game. And it was in the middle of a big rally. There were lots of other plays in the rally. But well, it's still the one the spotlight the of the rally was the, in the middle. Right, okay. It's still the one the spotlight falls on. For sure. But they had to go out and win the ball game the next night. And they did. They did not. And that would have erased Buckner. It would have been just an afterthought. And they they had a whole nine innings. Dodgers didn't have a whole nine innings. Kershaw and and Buckner was a very good player. I think he had like 2,700 hits in the big leagues. Obviously, that's really, really good. Um, but he wasn't the star for so many years. Kershaw goes down as, if you're going to go left-handed Dodgers, you're going to go Koufax, Kershaw, Fernando, or maybe Fernando, Kershaw. So he's right up there. And, and I just had a bad feeling when he's coming into the bullpen. Thinking, Why did they bring him in? What? Well, they brought him in. But no, I don't. I le- you didn't have a problem with that because he was. Fa- you got to. Get- lefty, lefty. Yeah, and he and he struck him out. But he's not a power pitcher anymore, as Mar- Pedro Martinez was talking about. Yeah. I can't think of anybody that I felt this bad for. None of the Jazz players when they didn't beat the Bulls. The long list of people who didn't beat the Bulls. You gonna feel bad for Craig Elo because Jordan made a shot over him to win a series. Elo drops. Like I was not crushed for Craig Elo. Yeah. No, yeah, Craig Elo. But see, the other guy meet makes Carl a Malone, shot. Meet Carl Malone, meet Patrick Ewing, meet Charles Barkley. I mean, just go on down the line. Did the Jazz really lose it? Or did Jordan win it? Did Jordan, he steal it from did you? Did Jordan rip it away? Yeah, and so here you have this one. Kershaw. You know, they're talking about him being a surefire Hall of Famer. And now he's got, and this has happened before. Now he's got to wait another year. 
Uh, how long can the Dodger run continue? They've won seven division titles in a row. Can they win eight? You got to wait a whole nother year. He probably got no sleep last night. And all the money in the world, the $30 million means nothing. He'd give it all back to get three outs, to get those guys. At least let somebody else blow it. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> yeah. Plenty of nominees in the bullpen. Right. Yeah, let somebody else give up a, a home run or whatever it was going to take or you know an error or whatever it might be. But no, it was Kershaw and then seeing him. And then you have to sit there in the dugout by yourself. At least if you're in basketball or you're in football, you're not by yourself. Just by virtue of everybody clumped together. But in the dugout, there's nobody within five feet of you either way. And your hands are in your head. I've never felt that bad for a, a pro athlete, ever. Not sure that I ever will. 855-340-ZONE. You can tweet at us, at David DJ James. And I, Kershaw's trending on Twitter, and there's a, uh, somebody put out, uh, Clayton Kershaw in the playoffs, and it's a picture of Tony Romo. Uh, not quite the same thing. Yeah. yeah, I just clicked on him trending, and there's the video of him just staring at the ground, arms on his legs. Then he looks up at the field and right back at the ground. Yikes. And then his teammates don't pick him up at all. Nope. There's nobody near him. And they got other numbers. A.J. Pollock, there's free agent signing 0 for 13 in the postseason, 11 Ks. Bellinger, Bellinger is off the hook because he's been a gagger. 211 BA, Corey Seager, 150. Joe Kelly, his ERA, 23.14. <laughs> you didn't really need the .14 there. I think 23 pretty much gave us gave us the details. And Dave Roberts puts him in the, the deciding game in the 10th, in the ninth inning, no less, and then brings him back. You got out of it in the ninth, but then you bring him back in the 10th with the season on the line, and he hasn't really been that good all season long. Oh, man. Dave. What were you thinking, buddy? Just, uh, I still, it's in the pit of my stomach for Kershaw. People are going to Twitter and taking the uh, Clayton Kershaw and L.A. Dodgers production choker, and they've got the whole joker look, running all the filters over his face. Piling on. Apparently, I didn't know this until just when you said, and I checked I check this. So there were Dodger fans with the jersey, and people are leaving, and the traffic is just inching along, and there's fans with his jersey, and they're laying it down in front of the car and offering people the chance to drive over his jersey. Ooh. Feel better about that? No. No, I don't. There's the fan. He lays it down, and he waves him forward. And he stood up, and he owned it. I know. I blew it. That's pretty rough. Yeah. You better make sure Bueller was done. And he had nothing left. Did you think he had something left? I don't know. Yeah. I, I, 117 I, pitches. So was 117 the number yeah. it got to? It seemed like it, but they better make sure. You better make sure because he's, he's your best pitcher. And I don't think it's close. He's your best pitcher. Well, I think they know that. I mean, that's why they run him out there in game one and game five. Yeah. 
but I don't know how many times he went past yeah, 110 I I, yeah. pitches. And, That's for them to decide. And I don't know what the matchup, you know. I mean, they've got all that info. Right, I got it. Alan, good morning. Hey, how you doing? Good. You got, you got an athlete you felt really bad for, Alan? Yeah, and this is a little different setting for a little different reason. But uh, when Muhammad Ali came back, tried to uh, fight Larry Holmes, uh, and uh, they showed a picture of him sitting in the corner after he'd been beaten damn near to death, and uh, you could tell he couldn't defend himself. He couldn't do it anymore, and he not only got beat up, but uh, he might have got permanent damage, and the look in his eyes was really uh, really pretty haunting. All right. That's a good one. Thanks. 855-340-ZONE. I think I've seen that video as he described it. Beaten sitting in the corner. Yeah. You don't really get into the Olympics. I wonder if people feel bad for any of the Olympians. You work for four years. You get to the big moment. You get tripped in a race. Mary Decker Slaney. That's one that comes to mind. I grieved for her. There was somebody, I can't remember who it was, who kept falling in speed skating and then finally meddled at the end. I can't remember who it was. Anton Apollo or something? No. No. That's all I know. Dan Jansen, I think. Dan Jansen? Is that who it was? Eric something or other? What's the guy's name? He's a doctor here in town. Now, he won five gold medals. <laughs> he what's his, what is, what's his name? Uh, I'm blanking. It was in 1980 <laughs> Lake Placid. <laughs> and doesn't he live locally? Yeah, he's, he is a doctor. Yeah. It was Dan Jansen, the guy who broke it. Dan Jansen kept falling. Ten years of right, failure. Who's the other guy? Heiner or Simon? Eric uh, Hyden. Hyden? Eric Hyden. Hyden, okay, yes. That was close. Five individual gold medals at the 1980 Olympics. Yeah, I don't think you feel bad for him. I think, and then he went into medicine, and he's here, and he's like, you see him once in a while. He speaks at stuff at the uh, sports awards stuff. I've seen him there a couple times. He's done some other stuff. Mm-hmm. So who am I supposed to feel bad for? Dan Jansen. He's the guy who kept falling. How about the uh, 72 team? Was that the basketball they team? They got robbed. Like 45 minutes of uh, <laughs> two seconds. We're going to do it over. <laughs> You're doing we still it over. won. Well, then we're going to do it over again. <laughs> they scored the third time. That's it. We're done. <laughs> Keep doing it until you get it right. Doug Collins. <laughs> Could have been the hero of that. I didn't know it they never for a long opened, time. put on his medal or something. They never got him. They didn't show up for the ceremony, and they didn't pick him up, and they stayed in some IOC vault in Switzerland. Yeah. I think they're still there. But he got, uh, he got fouled with like three seconds left and, and hit the, got fouled hard and like hit the floor or hit the standard or something and shook it off and hit two pressure-free throws to take the lead when they were down one. And they played the game three times. Now you just yeah. see him coaching and doing TV, and you're like, man. You were big back in the day. Landon. How's it going, Landon? Say, watching Phil Mickelson. Good. How are you guys doing? Okay. I'd have man. to say watching Phil Mickelson take second place six yeah. times. Yeah. That's pretty devastating. Yeah. Putting yeah. it on the tent. Well, that was yeah. the one. Thanks for the call. When that, he said, I'm such an idiot. Yeah. When he bounced it off that. Well, now uh, we can't. Now we can't pile on him because he just pled guilty. That was how I felt well, I can't it. pile on Kershaw. You're going to pile on Kershaw? You played guilty. I would uh, like to give Clayton Kershaw a hug, hug. today. <laughs> no. That's how bad I feel for the guy. This one, this one really, that's not like I'm a hardcore Dodger fan. 
I just feel really bad for the dude. And I'm surprised because I'm a cynical, bitter dude. But I just felt awful, and I still feel awful this morning. And then to have him stand up there and say I was supposed to get three outs and I didn't do it and I lost the game. I feel awful for the guy. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Coming up next, Dustin Smith, QB Elite, has trained Jaron Hall for years. What should we expect out of Jaron Hall? As he makes his first college start, BYU going to South Florida. We'll talk with Dustin next on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 12.80 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Jazz lose in Milwaukee. They lose big, 133-99. to Tony Bradley leading the Jazz with 17 points and 10 boards. Jazz play in New Orleans tomorrow night. Lakers and Nets just wrapped up a preseason game in Shanghai, but there will be no media availability for players, coaches, or NBA Commissioner Adam Silver at the behest of the Chinese government. The two teams are scheduled to play again Saturday in China. Major League Baseball today, Game 5, Astros, Tampa Bay Rays. Loser goes home, winner goes on to the American League Championship Series to play the Yankees. The game starts at 5 o'clock on FS1. Thursday night football features the Giants and the Patriots, 620 on Fox and the NFL Network. You can listen to it right here on the Zone Sports Network. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Action Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Looking for skilled HVAC technicians, plumbers, and electricians to join the Action Superhero Team. Paid training, health, dental benefits, and a 401k match. Call today and join the Action Plumbing Superhero Team, 801-833-3333. That's Action Plumbing. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Utah now coming off that bye week. We had a chance to look at Oregon State. And uh, look, you know, Utah's going to be favored to win. And Utah probably will and should win by a sizable amount. But Oregon State's starting to turn that thing around a yeah, little they are. bit. This isn't a game where you're just like, all right, Utah, just show up. Not this year. I don't think Oregon State's fantastic. I think they're very beatable. But if Utah went in with the wrong attitude, they could find themselves in a game in the third quarter. That's the point I'm making right there, is that if you don't go in and you don't play well and you're slow getting out of the gates then Oregon State can make things nervous in the second half against you you know if there's one thing this season has taught us you can't take anything for granted just ask Washington who just got smoked by Stanford catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network DJ and PK it's 97.5 and 1280 the zone we're joined now by Dustin Smith, QB Elite. He's trained Jaron Hall for years, and we're all curious what Jaron's going to do when he makes his college debut. BYU at South Florida Saturday. Dustin, good morning. Good morning. How you guys doing? Good. Now, I hate to shoot down the whole premise of the interview, but Dustin, be honest with us. Deep down, are you just like us? Do you wonder what Jaron's going to do when he makes his college debut at South Florida? Do you really know? Oh, absolutely. I think I think any time a, a a quarterback gets his first start in Division One football, I don't care how successful he was in high school or how big and strong and athletic he looks at practice or you know, at camps or whatever. It's it's a different deal. So. Uh, yes, I'm. I, I think we'll see good play from Jaron. I know he's a good player and an extremely uh, gifted athlete and quarterback. But you know he's going to have to make some adjustments to a lot of things, and he doesn't have a whole lot of time to do it because they're uh, they got to get a win. What are his strengths, Dustin? Uh, excuse me. What'd you say? What are his strengths? What are his strengths? Uh, Jaron's. You know, it's been talked about a lot the last week or so. There's there's obvious strengths if you've 
if you've listened to coaches or watched Jaron at scrimmage or, you know, even in the game last week, his high school film, that he's he's very athletic. He can uh, obviously plays two sports down there at BYU. He played three sports in high school, was good at all three. Um, he's he's got a real acceleration and and, and burst to him. So he's. Uh, he's difficult to to bring down in the backfield, and he's able to do a lot with his with his feet. But I I wouldn't say that his greatest strength is his athleticism. Jaron's greatest strength, in my opinion, is he's just he's very smooth and calm and in control, and he doesn't get rattled very easily. And you know, if you've interviewed him or, or been around him very much, or talked to people who have been, you know, they they see that in him. He's he's just very calm and collective, and and as a quarterback, that's important. Um, but he's also extremely confident in his ability and. I don't think that the moment or the uh, um, you know the pressure of being a quarterback at BYU is something that's affecting him negatively at all. PK's always positive and upbeat. He asks about the strengths. I'm the negative guy. I'll ask about the weaknesses. What worries you the most? Where would South Florida attack him and maybe have some success? Well, what worries me the most with Jaron is the same as what worried me with Zach and, and Tanner and, and other quarterbacks at BYU is – um, BYU's issues has more to do with with how they run the football than how their quarterbacks throw the football. It's it's glaringly obvious if you look at the games that BYU wins versus the games that BYU loses that when they run the ball well, they win. Um, in fact, I, I looked over this just, just this morning a little bit to double-check it. BYU's the last... You know they're nine and nine. If you go their last two years, last year and in, in their game so far this year, over when they rush for over a hundred yards, they're nine and two. When they rush for under a hundred yards, they're zero oh and seven. Um, it's and there's a tremendous difference in their in, in their rushing yards and their wins versus their losses. They average almost two hundred yards in those nine wins when they when they win, and they're like eighty yards in those seven losses running the ball. Um, and so that you know that's that's going to be critical to them because if they can run the ball and and keep their quarterbacks out of third and long, I think Jaron will do well. If Jaron is getting caught in a lot of third and sevens and third and nines, and he's having to sit back there and and beat what what I'm understanding is a you know, a pretty athletic uh, team, and if BYU can't run the ball on these guys, then they've got you know all sorts of other trouble in my opinion. They've got to be able to go down there and 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 run over these guys and be in some third and shorts. And then hopefully with Jaron's athleticism, he can pick up the slack a little bit on that. But their running back game, you know, they can't have, like last year against Boise State or against Utah State, when their running back production is 50 or 60 yards for the entire game, and then you get another 40 or 50 from your quarterback. You know, Zach had as many rushing yards in those two games as – I think the running backs did combined almost. So, you know, that's a lot of pressure to put on Jaron if that's the case. So that, that makes me nervous if they don't run the ball, that he's then feeling pressed to have to make big plays and he takes too many chances and turns the ball over. Because that's the other thing. This year, in their, in their three losses, they have seven turnovers. And in both of their wins, they didn't have any. You know, so it's, it's not turning the ball over and it's their ability to run the ball and not put Jaron or whoever the quarterback is, but especially a first-time starting freshman quarterback in regular third and long situations. If that's the case, then I get nervous that he might press and try to make too many big plays and, and in return 
uh, turn the ball over. Well, really hard to argue with anything you just said there. I love to argue, but I can't come up with anything. I mean, it's very much a black and white issue. You've got so much evidence on your side that that's just literally the way it is, and we'll see how it plays out. And obviously losing Tyson Williams was a major blow to that. I want to throw something at you, a theory that, that I've kind of concocted in my head. I don't know if it's true or not, but the fact was that you look at a, a guy like Jake Heaps and Tanner Mangum, and they were these all these, these number one quarterbacks coming out of high school, and then they get out on the field, and at some point things go a little south on them, and the pressure becomes amplified because these guys were the number one quarterbacks out of high school, and they're supposed to go to the pros. And, you know, Heaps, his whole family was all in on it, and it was only a matter of time. BYU was a stepping stone, and Tanner shared elite co-MVP with Jameis Winston, who won the Heisman and went on to be the number one pick. So they have all this external almost intangible pressure and I, maybe I'm missing something with Jaron Hall but and I don't follow high school football that much but I didn't hear him being an elite 11 and all this and all that so I'm wondering if that might play into his being able to just go out there and play the game of football because I don't know how much expectation we have on him whereas if you're saddled and Tuttle had it at the U too if you're and I use the word saddled almost like it's a burden with this hype it can work against you and if you're not as saddled with this hype you maybe might be able to come out and be a little more free and loose do you buy any of that? I think that's an excellent point and I think it's there's absolutely truth to that I these kids coming out of high school that have been highly uh, decorated with awards and attention, especially nowadays with all the attention that they get, you know, outside of their circle of people due to, you know, social media and things. I, when they come in to these schools, um, there's a lot of people that they can say they don't, but in the back of their mind, they feel like they they can't let down, and and it, it's just human nature to start wondering what those people are thinking about you and are you are you fulfilling all those expectations that people had of you and are you going to be a because um, that starts right it starts early when they're being told hey you need to be you know you need to be on the top uh, the top 100 watch list and you need to be in the elite 11 and you need to be going to these these schools and you're too good for that that school or that school and so then you get to college and I think that they have an enormous amount of pressure placed on them to now prove that all of that hype surrounding them in high school was legit and not to let people down. And in a lot of cases, I think they start playing more for that than they do for their, their college team and the college experience. And, and in some of the cases that you just mentioned and, and many others out there, their college experience ends up being a negative one. And, and the people around them who are there just to play football, who want to just compete, uh, they don't oftentimes buy into your your game plan of using it as a stepping stone to get to the next level, you know, to the NFL. In the case of Jaron, Jaron was very quick in the process to say he's going to BYU. He, he, you're right, he didn't get the kind of attention that some of these kids get, but it was starting to come in. Uh, Coach Roderick was the first to offer him up at Utah. And, U- and University of Utah hasn't for many years they don't offer or haven't offered quarterbacks out of the state of utah very often um just doesn't happen for whatever reason i wish they would uh, do more but it just hasn't and 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 coach roderick really liked jaron and that was his big his first big offer 
And BYU came immediately after that, and there were other schools interested. But Jaron was very clear when the BYU offer came in that he's he's going on a mission, and he's coming back, and he wants to play at BYU. And he shut down the recruiting, really. He didn't – obviously, the mission comment turned off some schools, and, and but he was very clear that he wanted to go to BYU. And at that point, he was just going to focus on his senior year of football, basketball, and baseball and go on a mission and then come back and, and let it fly and see what happened. And when he came back – there was a, a new offensive coordinator there and a new system. Zach had been there a little, already been, you know, through spring and, and Jaron had to come back and compete against that. But his attitude was more of, I'm going to get my chance. And when I get it, I'm going to be ready. And he's just got a real, just kind of quiet confidence about him. That's it's really cool. If you interview him or have a chance to really talk with him, you'll see it. He's just a, uh, a humble, confident kid and who was extremely competitive and just never bought into feeling like he had to do it for anybody other than him and his family. And he, he wasn't interested. He's not a big social media guy. He's not a look at me guy. His family's not. His people he surrounds himself with aren't. And that's just not who he is. And so that's why we didn't hear a lot about him. But but man, he can he can play. He's a he's a very good quarterback. You don't do what you what he did that quickly after coming back off a mission. Um, and, and move up the ranks as quickly as he did down there and get the praise that he's he's received from Coach Grimes and Coach Roderick and others that saw that he could play unless you have some abilities. And so I'm looking forward to seeing seeing him do his thing and, and he'll be there'll be some growing pains. I hope BYU fans will be patient uh, if there are those. Um, but he's a definitely a uh, Division one quarterback who can do a lot of good things. So you hit on several things in that very thorough answer I want to follow up on. But one, so PK lays it out for you. We've talked about a lot. There's a lot of numbers. PK's dug them up. You've seen it as you coach high school quarterbacks. And and maybe Jaron's a different deal because his dad played, so maybe he's getting advice that most guys aren't getting uh, because their parents are really new to the process and get the big eyes and all that, whereas, you know, Dad's been through the ups and downs so and kind of pass that along. But can you pass along when you explain it to people when the when the quarterbacks are you know teenagers and on the way up? Can you explain it and drill it into their heads, or is the hype so big that everything you say just bounces off of, of them and doesn't stick? I try to say it. It's much harder um, if it's not coming from people that are you know closer, specifically family um, and. and uh, you know, close, close friends and kids. And it's kind of a situational deal. Some kids, um, it doesn't matter what anybody says. They just, they love it. In fact, I think there, in some cases, unfortunately, that's the end game. It's, it's the attention. Um, that's the reason for all the uh, more. So the reason for all the work and the lifting weights and the, the pursuing the, the success on the field is to get that attention. It's not, to go and compete on the college field. That's the most disappointing thing for me is then once they make it, they kind of feel like they've arrived and, you know, they're able to say they got a scholarship and mom and dad are able to tell everybody that, that you know, their son got a scholarship to wherever and, and then you don't hear from the kid anymore because he just didn't have that self-motivation and it was all about attention and, and compliments and pats on the back. And so you try to warn kids of that, that that's coming, especially at that position. If you're going to play that position, um, you've got a, you're going to have some extreme highs and probably be over complimented and you're going to have some extreme lows where you're going to be criticized probably harder than you should. It's, 
you know, I, I heard part of your last segment. It's pitchers have the same thing, right? Clayton Kershaw is going through the same thing right now where he's, he's taking all of the blame. Um, by the way, is there anything worse than having a coach have to walk out to a pitcher's mound and yeah. take the ball from, <laughs> from a pitcher and, and, and kick you out of the game and sports? Seems like it's a, it lasts worst, about two that's hours. the worst thing ever. <laughs> It's, it's, it's horrible, right? Yeah. It's uh, you imagine if that happened in a football game, the head coach stopped the game and walked out and took <laughs> to the, the football from the quarterback, and, and, and then let, made him walk back to the sideline and handed it to the next quarterback. You miss a free That's throw. You miss a free throw, and Quinn Snyder has to stroll out there, take the ball, and send you to the locker yeah. room. Yeah, give it, give it, give it to the backup point guard, and then you got to go sit by yourself and the set in the bench. It's the worst, but you know, yeah, you're David. It's uh you try to warn these kids of, of the, you know, that are getting caught up in that, that that usually is going to set them up for a bigger fall. And, and, but some kids listen, some kids have the restraint to not get too caught up in looking at their press clippings and their, their Twitter likes and retweets and things, but it's a, it becoming harder and harder. I'll tell you that it's more and more kids are, uh, you know, that, that fall in love with that attention. It's becoming harder and harder to tell the kids that, if you do get that shot to play at the next level, no one's going to care about those things. And it's, it's, it's really what you do your next game out. And so you got to put that aside and, and focus on making the right decision and throwing the ball on time and being accurate. So that, that it just comes down to that. As uh, I know you work with Ty, has Demmer had any influence or any, any interaction with Hall? Yeah, he has actually quite a bit. In fact, uh, Ty was, uh, Jaron was going to be the guy. I know Ty was really looking forward to coaching. Um, Jaron got offered not too long out, or too long before Ty, um, you know, got that job. And uh, but he had worked with him through our program since Jaron. Jaron started. I started working with him in about eighth, ninth grade, and and uh, and then Ty saw a lot of him. And Ty knew Kalen, and in fact, Ty's actually been in touch with Jaron a little bit just in the last couple weeks in preparation for this game and Ty really liked Jaron he, he still does and is is optimistic that, that Jaron will do well and I think Ty's had an influence on Jaron on some of those things we just talked about because Ty's that way he's not about the attention and the hype and he's just about playing ball and um, he I know that he has had some conversations with Jaron as well about hey just stay low and, and grind and do your thing and and uh, you know let it play out and I think that's been a, a helpful support for for Jaron uh last thing I want to touch on what you said about Utah not recruiting local quarterbacks it seems like it started changing with some of the other schools in the last few years but there was a long stretch Utah didn't seem to high school quarterbacks didn't seem to catch on much of anywhere and it has been changing but it still seems like they're a little underrepresented do you have a good explanation about that aside from okay the U could take more guys yeah, I, I I don't know why Utah hasn't. Uh, there's, you know, I think that there's been some kids the last several years that uh, uh, could have helped them had they done so. Um, I I I think it's it, and I'm I'm just speaking out loud here. I think that the uh, thinking out loud here that the it may be that they just feel like they've got a, a greater pool to choose from and so they have to pick from that greater pool they've they've they got to get the kid from florida because they can you know or the kid from california because they can and and it's just, as far as you know quarterbacks in general here in utah 
uh, it is changing. More of them are starting to be recognized. But I, I think for a lot of years, it's just been you just didn't think of when you thought football players in Utah, you just don't you just didn't think quarterbacks. You thought, you know, it's always been defensive linemen and, and offensive linemen. And but you don't think QBs and receivers and some of those skill position groups. And um, I think that it's starting to change now. We do have some 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 good quarterbacks coming up and some kids that I would put on uh, competing against any, you know, kids from around the country, the, the local kids here in Utah, when, when they do get a chance to go up against these kids from out of state, they do very well. And, and um, so it, it is a shame that we have so many of them that get overlooked. I'm happy to see it starting to change, but I would still like to see, you know, Utah get some more of those. And I'm glad that BYU has, you know, Zach and Jaron, um, but, you know, there were some years there, too, where I think BYU was missing out on a lot of local guys. They still do, I think. Um, so I'd like to see that change. And I think as more of these guys go out and do well um, and, and perform, I think that more of them will stay here locally. And uh, in BYU's case and Utah's case, the more successful they are as well. It's, it's, it's not the same as it used to be 20 years ago where, you know, BYU could claim that you got to come to BYU, play QB here because you got to have that you know, LDS experience, there's, there's LDS experiences at schools all over the West and all over the country. And so a lot of those local kids who may be LDS or it's, it's not as big a deal to go to BYU anymore. And, and then I think Utah's having some success finding kids from all over the country. They have a shot at anybody being in the PAC 12. And so I think they take, they're taking those chances and thinking they can lean back on the Utah kid later. And, um, which they probably can, but a lot of these Utah kids, I think nowadays are saying, I'll just, I'll go somewhere else or, or they're unfortunately not playing. And there's a lot of them that could be. Dustin, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Okay. Thanks guys. Take care. Dustin Smith, QB elite, trained Jaron Hall for years. There's his take on Jaron and really makes a strong argument for keep an eye on the run game that Jaron will be good enough. If there's a run game to support him, just like other quarterbacks in that role have been good enough. 9-2 and two when they run for 100 yards and 0-7 and when they don't. Uh, the numbers are they're astounding. astounding. <laughs> That's the word. The numbers are astounding. But, Thank you, Gordon. You know what's funny, and that comes from the question the San Bernardino, the numbers are astounding. It's, it's like you're better off being... You're better off being a B-plus prospect than being an A-plus prospect. I don't want to say undervalued, but under radar a little bit. Because I think those guys got swallowed up in that. Yeah, and he was right on board with you. He was right on board. He just sees it coming. And some folks, you can tell them and warn them, but others, that's the whole so point of anyway. Got, I'd advise these college quarterbacks or high school quarterbacks, after you got the game in hand, throw a couple of picks. <laughs> <laughs> Downgrade yourself. <laughs> At a kid, PK. <laughs> What was that? He told me to. And <laughs> you're standing at the fence waving. Yeah. It's better off to be a little under the radar, and then the expectations aren't outrageous. Number one corner Canyon playing number two Sky Ridge tonight. Can't say PK didn't warn both quarterbacks. You get a big league, throw a couple picks. Watch out, Cole Hagan. Everybody's going to be Hagen's watching. Cole my guy, man. Homecoming king and star quarterback. Top two teams in Class 6A. Played for the state 5A title last year. Yeah, Got bumped up for that. Uh, Corner Canyon needs to be in 7A. There isn't a 7A. Well, they need to be there. <laughs> That's how good they are. That coach right there, not a good guy, but a heck of a coach. Oh, nice. That was good. <laughs> wow. People are like, how can PK do that? He's just rude to high school football coaches. 
Want to pull back the curtain on that? Or? Oh, I've known him for years. <laughs> so what is he? He's a great coach, but I mean, you know, questionable guy. Questionable guy. <laughs> All right. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Bowler's here in about 10 or 15 minutes on the road with the Jazz, and we'll talk with him after the blood in Milwaukee before the game in New Orleans. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, reminding you to join the big show tomorrow from 3 to 6 at the Warehouse, 1967 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Craig Bullerjack's coming up. We just had Dustin Smith on. I thought uh, he thinks a lot of things about college football. I could have talked to him for another half an hour, and that would have messed up Excellent interview, for sure. And, yeah. and Yawk's head would have exploded, and we don't want that. We'll have him in studio one of these days. You can go for a full hour. Yeah. No problem. I think we have him on periodically throughout the college season. There's always stuff going on. I mean, he's thinking about the player and the game, but he's also thinking about bigger trends and issues that shape a lot of players and shape a lot of games. In his series, he's actually had guys like Kurt Warner come in and work with them and whatnot. Kurt? Which one? The Kurt Warner that trained Keaton Slovis, the former NFL quarterback. Because there's two Kurt Warners. Yes, there are. Ben State <laughs> running back. Rams quarterback. The C and a K. Yes. I I hear from Kurt Warner all the time. You do? He's a mainstay down at the, the Phoenix Radio Station. Oh, okay. <laughs> they have him on all drop of a hat, and he's coming on. You hear him while yeah. you're working out. Well, we would too. Yeah. <laughs> Funny thing about being an NFL MVP and Super Bowl champ. And he's always been so media available and friendly. Yeah. And he's easy, a talker. Easy to work with. Yep. Yeah. He's Led a, the Cardinals to a Super Bowl appearance. Yeah. He should have. They should have built a statue off of that one season. Yeah, two uh, two playoff appearances for that pathetic franchise. So I just I just find it really interesting to get in the mindset of the quarterback, and I really believe, and it's my own theory that the less hype they have, you got to have some hype, but don't get over the top because I think they get swallowed up in it. And that's a great thing about this Jaron Hall is, and I, my my interaction with him has been very limited, so I certainly don't know him at all and just been in group settings, but he does come off as having a quiet confidence. And I think I'd rather have that than you're the golden boy strolling down that ramp and look at me, 64,000 people. I am the number one quarterback in the country, and this is just a stop-off. I really felt that was with the Heaps thing. I didn't feel that that was with the Mangum thing, but I think the Mangum thing also became... I'm supposed to have this great career, and things go a little south, and then I press more. And then you get swallowed up in that pressure. It becomes Nothing, such a negative thing. I, I would agree that the Mangum thing wasn't the, um, wasn't the heaps thing. It couldn't be. The heaps, that media availability in the sports bar restaurant thingy, that his own press conference and his own PR, I mean, nothing... Nobody's done anything that approached that. That separated it from any level of hype that any other local, I can't speak to around the country, but that any other local athlete set up for themselves. Yeah, he was destined to fail. 
because there was nowhere to go unless you were better than Jim McMahon and Ty Detmer. <laughs> and then the reality of that. And so Bosco, because you had to be undefeated. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Steve Young, because you had to be great in the NFL. It was being there <laughs> that day, it was it was one of a kind. You haven't seen anything else like it. So, but Tanner didn't have any of that. But yet I still think Nobody had the, the illegal of the label. That, and, that alone the, is enough, even the, without all that other stuff. Co MVP with Jameis yeah. Winston, and you then, went on a mission. So then, therefore, we had evidence Winston's, of Winston doing right. what he did. Yeah. And he had some issues off the field, but on the field he was really good. He won the Heisman, blah, 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 first pick. And so then that became, well, that's the standard, Tanner. Live up to it, or it's a disappointment. And then he well, throws he had a, no chance. And then he throws a Hail Mary to Nebraska. You're like, Full of grace, the Lord be with you. Okay, then. Well, he really is that good. And then he throws another one against Boise State. Yeah, this is it. The Hail Mary is actually literally a prayer. Yes, I know. Have you recited it? No, I haven't. I recited it. And as I far as you know. It. Well, maybe. You're not, not Catholic. You. You're not Catholic. You don't claim the Catholic religion like I do. We'll talk about it. I went to eight years of St. Peter the Apostle. We'll talk about it in the break. But it only went to six. It tells you how smart I was. hey <laughs> <laughs> All right, when we come back, Craig Bowlerjack, Jazz are on the road in between Milwaukee and Nolens, and we will talk with uh, Bowler next, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.